Time for the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and a longtime friend and colleague of mine with us talking Alabama-Mississippi State. We're going to be previewing the Crimson Tide's road game at MSU with this evening's podcast, you can you can see or hear the Talking Tide podcast now on YouTube or Facebook. You can catch live streams at both of those mediums uh, or catch video replays, either one. And of course, uh, you can get us on any app you prefer for your podcasting here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Want to thank our sponsors quickly. Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and DraftKings. Tell you a little bit more about them later in the program. The Twitter feed is talking underscore tide. Be sure to follow us there. Subscribe on YouTube. You'll see links to all the podcasts that way as well. Travis, we take a look at this uh, rebound week, as you called it, right before we flip the switch on here for the Crimson Tide on the road. Coming off a game where you got to feel like a cold splash of water hit that locker room after the loss to Texas A&M. Yeah, I would say so. And interesting, isn't it? The last time before last Saturday that Alabama lost a football game, where did Alabama go the next week? Starkville, right? Right. And then you had the yep. tuatonga Vialoa injury. So a couple of years later, here you are, back to Starkville on the heels of a loss to an SEC Western Division opponent. One that scored in the 40s like LSU did back in 2019. And with all that, we're still talking about the offense, it seems like, as much as anything else after some lost opportunities in that game against AM last Saturday night. But certainly a psyche challenge for this team. We've heard a lot of things. We've heard some players like Will Anderson sort of throw down the gauntlet to the rest of his teammates earlier in the week. Well, is it all talk or is there going to be some walk? That's what we're going to find out Saturday night at Davis Wade Stadium. You know, Travis, normally I would say, and certainly a long time ago, I would have said, why does it take a sophomore to stand up in that room? But the flip side of that is in this day and age at Alabama and in particular at Alabama, sophomores are like juniors, right? Because the horses are in the junior class. That doesn't mean there aren't some excellent seniors, draft-worthy seniors, et cetera. But the way college football has gone, especially powerhouse college football, the meat of the talent is going to be in that junior class, typically. And so if you're Will Anderson, you're not there yet, but you're right behind it. You're not uh, – to me, leader, leadership has gotten younger on the whole in college football. I guess that's my primary point. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I would say about this particular Alabama team, though, why is a sophomore on defense having to stand up and do these type of things? Because you're right, it is a junior-heavy sort of unit on that side of the ball, but there's a lot of guys that have played a lot of football. We talk about that 2019 season. We both know how much that front seven was sort of thrown into the fire there with the front and then the injuries at inside linebacker in that season. Um, it's good that Will Anderson's doing it, but I think there are plenty of other guys that maybe should be exhibiting some of those intangibles at this point in their career. No? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to, and, and coaches will tell you one leader ain't, it's not like one leader's enough either. You no. might have, you might have one 
double alpha voice in the locker room, and that's fine. But you better have a pretty good handful of, of regular alphas, too. Well, and it needed to be from the defense this year because most of your leadership from a year ago was on the offensive side of the ball. Your four permanent captains from 2020 were all offensive guys. So just that tells you that more was going to be needed from the defense this side. And maybe there are guys that are trying. You know, maybe it isn't to the at that extent on defense but it seems like will anderson is the one that they're putting in front of the media and also the right. guy that seems strongest about the sentiment quick uh, recap for you on some details for this game upcoming alabama enters five and one two and one in the sec mississippi state enters three and two and one and one in sec play kickoff will be 6 p.m central time saturday night at davis wade Stadium in Starkville. Get over to Little Dewey's if you can. My favorite spot over there for a burger or a, or a barbecue sandwich. Your your television broadcast will be on ESPN. And Travis, as we kind of move from Alabama to Mississippi State for a few minutes here, uh, this Mike Leach team has all the a, a lot of the imprints of, of his Washington State teams already. Obviously. Um, you know, last year was a unique situation with COVID-19. I'm sure Mike Leach wasn't able to do everything he wanted to do on the field or off at Mississippi State in 2020. Uh, coming into this year, though, they're absolutely flinging it all over the field. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the, the quarterback, Will Rogers, has already got 280-some attempts, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, and we're just sitting here in mid-October, 280 pass attempts, Travis. Yeah, I think they're averaging, what, right around 57 pass attempts per game. Now, look, even with the understanding that more than a few of those are essentially an extension of the run game, little tosses to backs that count as passes, short game, quick game stuff, where they throw it quick and try to get matchups in space. That's still that's still a lot of pass attempts. And I do think Will Rogers has certainly come a long way. I think he certainly benefited from a full offseason, as you outlined there, for the first time under Mike Leach. And, you know, they continue to develop some weapons at the wide receiver position. Last year, at the end of the year, it looked like Jaden Wally was going to be that number one guy for Will Rogers moving forward, but they added a transfer from Cal and Makai Polk. So still not an overly explosive passing game. You know, this is a, a unit that isn't going to average much more than seven yards per attempt. They're not, I don't think at this point. So that's where you still have some questions about this Mississippi state passing attack. Can they threaten the intermediate to deep areas of the field? Weren't able to do that against Alabama. I think they averaged like three and a half efforts per pass attempt and being shut out in Tuscaloosa last season. Yeah, no doubt. For all of those passes by uh, Will Rogers, the, the uh, there's a big chunk of them that are pretty cheap. And what I, what I mean by that is just not not just low risk, but no risk uh, with, with, with a lot <laughs> of these throws. And, you know, if some of them go for, for two yards or three yards, you know, Mike Leach is fine with that. Like you said, it's kind of – it's a run to him, more or less. Uh, that being said – you know, Drew Sanders, we get word from Nick Saban uh, just a couple hours before we started recording here. Uh, he'll be out again with a hand injury. Now, we saw more of Dallas Turner than Chris Braswell against Texas A&M. I think we talked in a previous podcast that Braswell might be the the early down guy as, as the bigger, heavier guy. 
I wonder if maybe Chris Braswell against Mississippi State might be better suited, a better fit than Dallas Turner, simply because of the way he can run. Uh, he could give you a a little bit more in, in, in pass rush, but not only that, be able to chase down some of this cheap stuff out of, out of the screen package. It's a big screen package in that offense too. Yeah, it's a reasonable assumption. It's sort of this fine line you've got to toe with this offense of Mississippi State's and that would seem as if as much as State throws it, we got to get after the quarterback. Well, that's kind of what Mike Leach wants you to do. Get out of lanes, you know, get after the quarterback, get after people, get yourself out of position, and then give up big chunks because you're not disciplined or patient enough to just – make the tackle after a four-yard gain and go play second and six. He wants defenses that are aggressive, that he can take advantage of that way. He really wants you to play man coverage and bring the heat. That's what he wants you to do. Ed Orgeron found that out the hard way in the 2020 season opener in Baton Rouge. Ed, this time around, in a win in Starkville a couple weeks ago, a whole lot of zones. So that'll be interesting in and of itself. We saw a mix from Yeah, we have more zone, please. Well, we saw uh, we saw a mix. That's my best Alabama. Edo right there. That's all you got. That, and that's funny. That's perfect. But we saw a mix from Alabama a year ago. It's a tackle and space game. It's a dime week for Alabama. They're going to see a lot of four wide receiver sets, play a lot of dime. And I think there's interesting questions for Alabama from that perspective, Chase, because, well, Mackay Moore opened the A&M game at Star, was ejected very early on on that opening possession for the Aggie. On comes Brian Branch. He was victimized a couple of times late in that game by Anaya Smith. No shame in that. Anaya Smith's going to do that to a lot of Star defenders, slot corners. But I would assume it's Malachi Moore back at the Star position. But what about the money this week? Because we've seen Daniel Wright a good bit at the money position ahead of Brian Branch in some recent games. So is it right? Is it Branch? A year ago, Branch and Moore, I thought, did a great job in this matchup of tackling. That's Again, that's what it's going to go back to. We talk about the outside guys pass rush. Patoa, Christian Harris, Brian Branch, it's him, Art Daniel Wright, and Malachi Moore. They've got to tackle, and they've got to be more patient and disciplined. You can't have busts like you had last week. There's no excuse for that. Six games in the season, Weidermeyer's running wide open. I mean, yeah. you talked about Weidermeyer. We talked about Weidermeyer all week. You got to think he was talked about in the meeting rooms over off Bryant Drive. That can't happen this week because – that's what Mike Leach wants to hit you with. He wants to hit you in the seams. He wants you hit hit you in the quick game. And he's hoping beyond hope that you are undisciplined and impatient. And we've seen that too much from Alabama already this season. Yeah, and, and you mentioned a, a couple minutes back about about the pass rush and how Mike Leach is prepared for it. He kind of wants the heat because because that passing attack is is really all about quick. get off. It starts with get off. Get the ball out, right? For better or worse, get it out. That's how that's how they roll over there. Well, that could be pretty frustrating for the Chris Braswells of the world, Travis, because you may you may get a free run. Uh, you may you may blow by your man, beat your man, inside move, whatever. It, you, if you you can come clean and not get there, so that's how quick they get it out. Absolutely, and he loves to get it to the backs quick. Marks is a guy that. You know, they throw it to a good bit as well or get touches to uh, off of quick game stuff. And 
you know, they're experienced now in defense. Will Rogers, as we talked about, the offensive line, yeah, so-so. You got Scott Lashley, the former Alabama offensive tackle, now over in Starkville starting at right tackle. So you can't really get too caught up in matchups this week like Alabama's edge rushers, Will Anderson and Braswell or Turner against those state offensive tackles because – as you said, the ball's going to come out quick. Now, you can get hands in passing lanes maybe and do some things like that. That can be beneficial to you, but uh, it's a tough week to affect the quarterback if you're Alabama. Offensively for Alabama going up against a Mississippi State defense that just held Texas A&M to 22 points. Randy Charlton on defensive end, one of the top players. Jet Johnson at linebacker leads the way in tackles. couple good DBs in the, in the secondary. Travis Fred Peters. One of those guys, offensively for Alabama, I th- to me they're still kind of looking for an identity, and I kind of I halfway hate to use that word, uh, but because because that's that's kind of saving territory. I'll leave that word to, to Nick. You know, I'm not I'm not going to try to adopt it or redefine it or take it away or anything of the sort. That being said, you, you, I still get the sense this offense in, in some ways is trying to find itself still, even though they've had a lot of played a lot of good football, scored a lot of touchdowns, had a lot of success. That doesn't necessarily you could you could be all that and have all that sometimes and still not know quite who you are. Yeah. And sometimes you can want to be one thing, but maybe right now you're built in a way that you're better another way like mm-hmm. what we saw against Ole Miss, for example. And defensively, what Mississippi State's going to present, at least schematically, is a three-three-five. right? It's going to look, in a lot of ways, like what they saw against Ole Miss and what they've seen in the past last season from Arkansas. But Zach Arnett, if you go back and watch last year's game in Tuscaloosa, he was not afraid to bring numbers against Mac Jones in that offense. So if he didn't have a problem heating up Mac Jones, you think he's going to have a problem heating up Bryce Young on Saturday night? No, after what he so. after what last week's tape just showed, two guys running through the a gap, you know, backer right. and a safety right behind him. You think I was going to see that in the first quarter Saturday night? Good bread. Yeah, I do too. You know, yeah. Arnett saw nothing from that A and M tape on a bye week, no less, for Mississippi State, they're going to say, well, we better sit back. He blew right. the hell out of Alabama a year ago. You know, he's going to on this offense. So, you know, I tend to lean more to right now that if you're not going to utilize Bryce Young's legs by design, if you're going to make him more of a pocket guy, then go big. Go two tight ends a lot. Pound Brian Robinson. And then you're also able to max protect more with him and kind of grind things out like you did against Ole Miss, not only because that's maybe better for this offense, but also this defense has lived up to it. They need help. So their team played its best, in my opinion, against us, right? Well, how was Alabama's offensive approach maybe a contributor to that? And you're right. Right. Oh, I, time I don't of possession. Think time of possession was what? Almost forty to twenty in that game. Right. Ole Miss didn't have oh, the yeah. ball. You know. No. No, they didn't. Uh, and and you know, as we've seen at other points in the season, 
including, a, yeah, Ole Miss. Time of possession helped Alabama in that Ole Miss game and at, at a cup and a couple of spots. There's no question about it. I think, I think if you're if you're if you're Nick Saban, if you're Bill O'Brien, you're looking at tape. You're looking at last year's tape. You're expecting heat, especially after A and M, and and you're thinking, okay, the blitz is coming again. There's no re- there's no reason why they shouldn't be game planning with that in mind. Well, obviously, you and I talked about it. The hot route's got to be hotter. That's one thing. And what and what about incorporating more of a screen package? Because because yeah. we've really not we've really not seen much of that at all, really, from this offense. No, you're right. Um, most of the times you see it, it's the wide receivers and a receiver catching it, another receiver, a tight end out in space trying to make a block. Right. There's a traditional scratch. No, we haven't seen a whole lot of that. We've seen backs and balls in the passing game. That's another way you can do it. If you can't pick up a blitz, then throw it to the back. And right. do it by design quick. But um, there's there's uh, there's things that it can be done. I also think if, if Bryce is more comfortable in the pocket, then you may have to do some things schematically to get him outside of the pocket. Move the pocket, move the launch point, do some different things away from some of this stuff. But it'll be interesting to see what the response is. I think what we will see if Alabama has the opportunity down inside the five, I think Brian Robinson will get the football this week. What about you? Yeah. Oh, I think he should get it. He he, he <laughs> yeah. should. He he. he 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 better get it. Uh, the way the guys play, look, nothing bad has happened to Alabama all year long. Giving it to him, Nick Saban. Right? Nick Saban doesn't Monday morning quarterback himself or his staff very often that I can recall. Maybe you can chase, but we heard that Monday from Nick Saban when yep. he was asked about running the football down close. Yep. Well, Maybe they listened we to our podcast. That, that's what you and I were saying two podcasts ago. <laughs> I think they might have listened to that, Travis. Who knows? Oh man, they're in deeper yeah. trouble than I thought. Yeah, but yeah, you know how I like those fours in basketball. We talk about that in this every spring. Well, I like the screen in football. <laughs> I, I like the 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 the. You're the throwing TJ, the screen guy. Watch the screen the, guy. The TJ Yeldon screen yeah. to beat LSU and Baton Rouge. Yeah. That that's the one. That's the one. I and it like doesn't this. even have to be elaborate. I mean, you yeah. can release a tackle out in front of that. You don't even have to release a couple of OLs. And that. Yeah. When, they're, when they're bringing it, when they're that arrogant, that's just straight arrogance. That's just, right. you can't do anything about it. think your offensive line can pick it up. Now, look, second half, you go back and watch the AM game. They finally got it. Interior OL, whether it was a guard or a center, would pick up the backer, and the back would step up and pick up the safety it took a full half to sort of make that adjustment, but it happened. So credit to them for doing that. Uh, but they're going to see it <laughs> even with what they did in the second half. They're going to see it again on Saturday night. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. The talking tide podcast on the pigskin podcast network. Thank you for joining us. The Twitter feed of course is talking underscore tide chase. Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. We're going to be, Thanking our sponsors here for a quick minute. We're going to start by telling you all about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley right over here in Tuscaloosa. You find him very easily uh, right off of McFarland Boulevard at 1100 Fairfax Park. Now, Dr. Jack will get done any kind of dentistry you might need. Porcelain veneers, 
cosmetic dentistry, the endodontics, dentures, always popular are those teeth whitening services. They can get that done for you if you got an event upcoming. Excellent experience at North River Dental, no question about it. Uh, the phone number is 752-3506, or you can visit them at northriverdentist.com. Check them out. It's North River Dental Associates. Yeah, good, Brad. We're doing this video stuff now. I wonder if Dr. Jack can get us some of that. Uh, is it collagen? What do they do over there with the... Uh, they do the Botox and they do yeah, the Juvederm. Maybe, yeah. maybe you and I can get in there, get in the shop, you know, maybe, get a little work done. Maybe we could live stream that for everybody. <laughs> Either that or we got to back these cameras off another seven or eight feet. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier, also in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. 1530 McFarland Boulevard, north in the Indian Hills section of Titletown. There you see them, those hand-dipped chocolate strawberries. Look, it's always a popular treat around Valentine's Day, but those chocolate strawberries, again, it's a daily thing at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Fresh products, fresh fruit, freshly uh, tempered chocolate. They do it by hand there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. And, of course, if you want your game day spread to stand out, they've got those Alabama-themed treats waiting for you as well. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. All right. Finally, we want to tell you a little bit about our corporate sponsor, and that, of course, would be DraftKings. The promo code TPPN, that's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. We're going to tell you all about it now. Uh, DraftKings, of course, is the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, a special offer. You bet just $1 on any NFL game. You win $100 in free bets if either team scores a single point. You download that DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code TPPN. Throw down a dollar on any NFL game. You'll get $100 in free bets. Promo code TPPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings doesn't leave you empty-handed. They've got huge other cash prizes, daily fantasy sports, you name it. It's DraftKings. All right, Travis, uh, as we close out that portion of the program and dive now into a couple of Southeastern Conference games coming up this week. Uh, of course, other than Alabama and Mississippi State, you've got Auburn traveling to Arkansas, Florida traveling to LSU, Kentucky at Georgia. Uh, we'll stick with those three this week. You know, I've got some family members making that trip out to Baton Rouge for the LSU game, and they may have stopped in Biloxi on Wednesday <laughs> night on the way out there. So uh, T's and P's for those folks. No, right. I, I think it's crazy to think that Kentucky and Florida, at least on paper to this point, is the, what, SEC game of the year? I guess you could have made an argument for a couple of weeks ago. Now, obviously, George Clemson was the highest profile game involving an SEC team to open the season. But as far as conference play is concerned, this is the SEC Eastern Division Championship game, or at least it feels that way. And I think my concern for Kentucky, your Kentucky Wildcats, good bread, is that stylistically they may be a little too much like Arkansas a couple weeks ago. And we all know how that turned out for the Razorbacks. Yeah, you mean in terms of getting beat up front? Run the football. We want to right. play in the trenches and – 
Look, I, you know, Kentucky yeah. can do that with about 10 teams. Well, maybe more like 11 and a half teams in the SEC these days. There's still about two and a half that they don't want to get into that with. I would say I would trust Kentucky's front seven defensively to hold up uh, on the line of scrimmage more than I would necessarily yeah. would uh, the offensive line. Arkansas, on the other hand, you think you think of how Arkansas generally generally rolls. You tr- you usually put some trust in that Arkansas offensive line, but the front seven's a little light. Yeah, they want to get you in second, third, and long, and let that zone defense eat at Arkansas. I agree. I think maybe a little more of an edge to Kentucky in that front seven against the Georgia run game. Uh, And maybe you catch Georgia coming off an emotional high after the road win over at Auburn. But I I think Georgia wins this game pretty comfortably. I just think Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback, is going to have a lot put on him because I love me some Christian Rodriguez, my favorite player in the conference. But he ain't going for 140 Saturday, I don't think. And so it's going to be on the Kentucky passing game to probably produce a little more than what's come with. Lastly, real quick, we'll touch on that Florida game. They're on the road, ranked number 20. They're playing at LSU. That's the early game. Kind of an unusual spot, Travis, for Kentucky to be playing that 230 CBS game. And also a little unusual for Florida LSU to be kicking off with your with your uh, with your bagel in the morning, going to be some bloodshot eyes <laughs> at Tiger Stadium. I'm going to know about four sets of them come Saturday morning. Oh, that's going to be a tough one. The boys I know they kind of their shoulders slumped when they saw that 11 a.m. Central kick. Yeah, they didn't so, appreciate that so good. They were looking forward to it. Saturday night, the Valley. Some of them just won't go to bed Friday night. No, you know that. No, I, I got an older brother among them that. He might go 72 hours without any sleep, <laughs> I know. But, no, it's just – you just look at this continued injury report for LSU on top of everything else now. Keisha Butte, the star receiver, out for the rest of the year. Derek Stingley Jr., you get the sense, for all intents and purposes, is out for the remainder of the year. And now you hear Eli Ricks, the other stand out for the remainder of the year. You just wonder who's going to show up for LSU on Saturday morning. And look, Florida, for all of its faults or maybe Dan Mullen's quirky nature, to put it kindly, uh, this should be a game in which they can take care of business. On top of everything else, they lost at home last December to a LSU team that was in a similar situation. But uh, I think uh, I think Florida gets it done in Baton Rouge. What about you? I don't see any surprises here. I like Florida. I think I like Florida big. I mean, look, if if LSU had the the physical athletic horses that we're all used to seeing LSU have and they had, and and they were still playing terrible and came in with the same record, well, I'd be sitting here saying you just watch them get off the mat right here. It's about to happen. But they don't have the horses. And 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 look, even with the guy and and of course they're is it, it's a double whammy when when you talk about Ricks and Stingley and the guys you talked about, Kayshawn Booth, that be, being out for the being out for the year. Even with those guys, I think this LSU team uh, 
and and even with Miles Brennan, throw yeah. him in there too. It, it what everybody the whole if the whole roster the is a program is a drift. still light. Yeah. yeah, the program's a drift right now. Uh, it has Dubosian at the end feel to it in some ways, Oof. and so you just wonder at this point what's the end game or when is the end game for Ed Orgeron? And I mean, we're not even two years removed <laughs> from a national title, Chase. When you say when you say Dubosian, how's that for all that all, all that comes to mind for me is Dustin McClintock at the end of the UCF game. <laughs> oh, gee, homecoming, <laughs> homecoming, two thousand. Oof, yeah. yeah, that could be a whole show next summer when we're yeah. a little slow, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, we could. Well, there could be chapters. We could actually yeah. do chapters. <laughs> no question about it. Been a lot of fun here on this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us this weekend. We'll be talking about Alabama's game against Mississippi State. Until then, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover. We'll talk to you this weekend on Talking Tide.